Bonjour et bienvenue sur notre podcast Zazie, une plateforme de réflexion sur nos identités et expériences africaines, nos succès, une longue quête intérieure. Hello, hello, Patricia. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm well, I'm excited, and I'm just so grateful for that beautiful song that opened for us this morning. Um, just to credit the beautiful musician there, that was Sibusile Kaba, and the song was called Abakoshwanga, and it comes off his album Yushwabada, which was released in 2020. Today's whole discussion is about language. Yes, and it's so interesting because we've been chatting about languages in, um, for quite, quite a few times. Uh, if you've been listening to our previous episode, every time we've been hinting out having a language expert or discussing more about languages. So today it's the day. Today is the day. And strangely, earlier this week, I caught myself having a random conversation about language, um, that led me to, sort of ask the question over and over again to different people. And I found that different people kept giving me different answers. So I'm going to ask you just mm -hmm. to try see if maybe your understanding and my understanding are mm -hmm. the same or they are different. But Patricia, what do you understand when you hear the expression mother tongue? Wow, that's a deep one. So for, for me, when we talk about mother tongue, I feel like it's the first uh, language where is, is the, for me, I feel like it's the language you, you're most fluent about. I feel like it's a language that you communicate about. I feel like, yeah, like it's the language where you grew up hearing, uh, th that language around you. It's, it's also the language that connects you to, to, yeah, to your people, your parents, your, your grandparents, etc. And yeah, that's how, that's how I see it. But, I think it's also very complex because sometimes I will say my mother tongue, it's French because that's the one that I speak the, the most. Um, and does French connect you to your people? That, you see now that's, that's, that's the other question. It doesn't connect me to all, all, all my people, but I feel like I'm more fluent. I, I think more, et cetera, et cetera, in French. I know it's so, <laughs> I know it's so complicated, but I don't know. What do you think? So for me, oftentimes I've encountered the question, like filling out forms and such, like what is your home language, right? Mm. And for me, home language, I understand as the language you speak at home. Um, and for me, yes, that would be English, sadly enough. But then the question of what is your mother tongue? Sadly, it is not my home language, but I always thought mother tongue was very specific, like it says, mother tongue, the tongue that your mother raised you on, right? So, so 
not in general, because I was having this discussion with my partner and his argument was that my mother tongue should be Isiswati. Mm. And I'm like, but my mom Gimudzwana and I can speak Swana because my mother raised me Kaswana. <laughs> like so to me my mother tongue is Swana despite the fact that I identify as Swati blah blah fish paste. Um so other people had different understandings too. Other people felt like they identified with what you're saying, that your mother tongue is the language that you were raised in. And so if, so for instance, in my case, my parents are not of the same cultural um, origin. Yeah, yes. background. Um, so that is a sort of exceptional thing, but I don't think that's really all that exceptional, but they were just saying that um, oftentimes the woman would raise the child in the language of the husband. If they were married, because now you've married into this home, you've married, you know, a vendor man. So the expectation is that that vendor man's children must be must able to speak. You know, that's so interesting because you gave me a difference, like, like clearly you're showing that there's difference between home, your home language and your mother tongue. But I've, I think that that will be a very interesting question to chat to our. I mean, language specialist. I'm yes. looking forward to see what she's gonna, how she's gonna break it down for us and explain because at this stage, like, I don't even know how to properly answer to your question. Yeah, I know. And it's such a simple question, right? Yeah, it's so complicated. <laughs> so let's stop assuming <laughs> and possibly rope in an expert. Uh, so Patricia, please do tell us who do we have in store for us as our guest today? Okay. So our guest today, uh, it's a lady that I met at an event that I attended before COVID. I think it, it, it was maybe 2018. Uh, it was called Posh Saturdays. It was hosted by one of my friends. Shout out Refilwe. And, um, yeah, it was like those Saturdays event and she invited this, um, uh, lady, Homolemo, and the chat was about, uh, she's got a school where she teaches, um, African language, uh, languages to kids. Um, and I was just fascinated about, um, her approach to languages and how she discovered this need of creating the school, etc. And, and a lot of things that she said then, uh, are still so relevant, you know, now. And I was, um, I was going through some similar experiences as a mother raising a child in another country, struggling to, to, to give your, your kid the, the mother tongue or the home languages. So every time in, in the previous episode where we we're chatting about having, uh, to discuss about language, languages, etc. I kept on thinking about her. So, and thankfully she, um, agreed to have this chat with us today. So that's going to be our guest, but she will tell us more about herself. Okay. Cause I'm super curious and you know, we have like a stash of questions for her <laughs> and I hope we will conclude this conversation feeling wiser. I hope so too. So let's bring her in. Let's do that. Hello, Homolemo, and welcome to the Zazi podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be with you guys today. So, yes, Patricia and I have been talking about language, this language that and our aspirations to learn um, or be able to speak in vernacular languages from across the continent. And then she told me that there was this awesome woman who has an academy teaching young children. So kudos to you. But can you tell us a little bit about your academy? Okay, so SP Language Academy is a need. I found that we've got a lot of parents who are able to speak their home languages and their children are struggling to speak their home languages. And basically this is usually because um, children of today, they're exposed to the, 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 the mainstream language, which is English. So you find that the, um, they're using tablets, everything is in English, they go to church, everything is in English, they pass billboards, everything is in English. At school, they speak English. And it's not that there's anything wrong with English, but English is what they're usually exposed to. Um, so that's when I realized that um, there is a need for languages. I also happened to read there, which sort of, um, I don't know, it appealed to me, was that you named the academy after your father, how has he been an inspiration for you in getting to this point of linguistic teaching? So, well, he had always been an inspiration um, in the way, you know, he guided us in terms of our careers, just being a supportive father. And unfortunately, we lost him to cancer in 2014. 
So hence, I named the school after him in honor of That's beautiful. Yeah, no, completely beautiful. And also, Homolemo, I remember you told us um, when I met you at Posh Saturday about an anecdote where actually um, it was really based on your own experience, uh, raising your own kids and seeing how it was difficult to teach her um, Setswana, if I'm correct. Can you please tell, bring us back to that anecdote? Yes. So I grew up in Masiking and in Masiking, um, everybody speaks Setswana, you know. Even if you are a white person in Masiking, you end up knowing Setswana. Uh, my mom is Zulu, and she um, stayed in Masiking because that's where we, we come from. And she ended up being a Motswana, you know. So the language in Masiking being Setswana is very rich. It's very dominating. And, you know, the people don't bend backwards. If you come to Masiking and you're speaking Zulu or Kosa, uh, the people from Masikeng will make sure that you speak Sotswana, you conform to their language. And that's one thing that I really appreciated about growing up in Masikeng. You could not be a, you could not be a child from Masikeng and not be able to speak Sotswana. And coming to Joburg, when I came to varsity, I found that obviously it's very diluted. I'm meeting closer people, I'm meeting different people who are speaking different languages from everywhere. But I decided that, you know what, I'm not going to conform to everybody's language because I'm going to start getting confused of who I am, you know. And I just stuck to speaking Sizwana. And I made a lot of friends, and they ended up calling me that girl who speaks Sizwana because it was so rooted in my culture. It was so rooted in me. I wanted to be identified as that girl who speaks Sizwana, that girl who represents everything about being Swana. I mean, in my adversity, in, 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 I wasn't even interested in weaves and wigs and all those. By then, it was just weaves. I was, I was a dreadlock girl. I used to wear, you know, those nice skirts with all stars and a nice top, you know, and I was just, I just wanted to be identified, to be known as that girl who represents, um, who represents Botswana, you know? And um, obviously, I had children of my own in Johannesburg, and my husband is also Zwana speaking, and we speak Zwana at home. And he's even worse, like he hardly speaks English. So I was certain that our children are definitely going to be Zwana speaking. You know, it wasn't like a situation where I'm married to a Kosa guy. Then my children would probably struggle with one, either or, or maybe just get confused. But I had married a Zwana man. And I was certain that, oh, my gosh, my children are going to get this. Guaranteed. But guess what? <laughs> they couldn't. <laughs> Things did not go the way I had anticipated. My children were speaking, I was speaking English. Um, they were not even interested in speaking Sizwana. They would try here and there. And it was a struggle. And this was when they were younger. Um, so it just takes us back to the fact that language is intentional. You have to be intentional about the language that your children are going to speak, and it is only in your hands, and only you can control it. So um, that's when I decided, okay, no, we need a school, because I'm not the only parent who's struggling with this, and we need to make sure that um, we get this right. And even now, it's still a struggle, because my children are not speaking Sotswana, they're comfortable but they're not as comfortable as they are when they speak English. Yet again, it goes to what our environment, what they're exposed to. You know, children are always on tablets, on phones. Usually they're at school most of the day, and the only thing they are consuming and they are learning is the English language. So there's a call and the need for more publishers to publish more books, for the government to also, you know, consider having other things in, 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 in other languages. So, yeah, we need more. And I think the tricky part is that we've got so many different languages. I mean, just in mm. South Africa, we've got 11 languages, and now they've also introduced the, the 12th one, which is sign language. But my point is, I think it, it's also a struggle because who do they represent? Do they dominate the Zulus? Do they dominate the Kosas? And it's also, based, it's also you know, um, based on where you are, you know, so you find that in the Northwest province, Tizwana is more dominating, but you still don't find, you know, signage or billboards or brands that are of that language. And I think if we could have more of that, then the children will be more exposed to those languages. 
I'll give you an example. Every day you travel with your child, you pass, um, let's say there's a billboard and it's written, Mr. Price, you know, and you'll ask your child, what is that billboard? And even if they can't read, they'll tell you it's Mr. Price mm. because they can, uh, they, they can um, identify the brand with what they know. They'll, they'll see the big M for McDonald's. They can't even read. They will tell you that's McDonald's. Why? Because it's something that they're exposed to. It's something that they see every day. So I don't have a solution to how um, everything else can be written in different languages. But if you go to China, for example, everything is written in Mandarin. So it doesn't have to be English all the time. So we need to start thinking of ways where we're going to expose children to other languages, you know, road signs. I've always say it would be nice to have road signs in different languages. So that's where I'm, I am right now. I'm thinking maybe we should have, you know, we could have a park, we could have an arcade where things are written in different languages for the purpose of learning safety, yes, but then also for the purpose of learning in a different language. So there's a lot of things that can be done and implemented where they do not have to be implemented in English. Yes, it would be easier to implement anything in English, but we just need to check ourselves and test ourselves and get to, you know, do things in, in, in a different language, regardless of what it is or a change. You have said so many things there that I, like, have <laughs> to grasp onto. But for one, that you're from Mafikeng tells me that, Hore, you were raised under Mangope's leadership for some juncture oh, of yes. your life. And that possibly really helped to instill Swana as like your everyday, you know, this Swana girl um, attitude about you. Where am I mistaken? No, you are absolutely correct. So during Nakoya Remangupe, it was an era where it came with this pride, you know, and positive pride of being proud of being Mutswana. I mean, even when Remangope addresses the, na- the, 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 the nation, Buputatwana, then, he would address us as Kassana, you know. Mm, so there was that sense of um, belonging, that sense of pride, that sense of identity, you know. It created that pride, that, that Tutwana pride. And even in the schools, in the schools of Buputatwana, he would say, and you know, he, he was a very controversial man, and he would always say that if you are black, you will learn Setswana, and if you are confused, you will learn African. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that would be all the Indian children, all the colors, all the whites. He would say, if you're confused, you will learn African, but if you are black, you will learn Setswana. So Setswana in the school, it was compulsory, you know, and you had to take it as a home language, you had to take it as higher grade first language. And then everybody else that they considered confused, they would take it as a third language or they would have to do Africans. There was no there was no two ways about it. But you mentioned the um home language. We were asking ourselves earlier how could you define for us what is mother tongue and its distinction from home language? Okay, so I think for me, I was confused for the longest time growing up that mother tongue sounds like it's what your mother speaks, mm-hmm. right? And you, you, so I'll give you an example with myself. So my mother is Zulu and my dad, Kimotuan. Mm-hmm. And if, when they said mother tongue, I would ask my mom, but mother tongue should be Zulu, you yeah, know? Yeah. But they actually meant home language when they said mother tongue. And then there's another side to mother tongue as well that caused more confusion. So mother tongue was interpreted by African cultures as um, the, the way you got your breast milk from, mm. you know. And so if you got your breast, hence, it, you know, it has to be only answer. Whatever that, you know, the, the breast that fed you, what language or what culture mm. was it? So you usually they referred it as a mother tongue. Hence, they said mother tongue, the breast that fed you. So back then, the breast that fed you would be the same culture as your dad. So there wasn't a lot of inter 
cultural marriages. So they would assume that if your mom is Zulu, then obviously your dad is also Zulu because people would get married within their culture, their cultures. But obviously life happens, you know, there's more diversity, which is great. And now your mother tongue is not necessarily who you become because in the African culture, you you become what your oh you are what, what your, your dad, dad is. is. Mm. So if your dad is um Kosa, then you automatically become Kosa. So that's the confusing part with regards to mother tongue. So it's the the, the breast that you had determines your mother tongue. Uh, and they, they would assume that um whatever that your your mom is is the culture that you are from. But that differs from culture to culture. Okay. Now, when we come to the language profession, home language is the... So in homestead, like for back in the days, Buputaswana was a homestead. And in Buputaswana, the dominating language was Setswana, which means the home language for that area and the curriculum and the language in the syllabus would be Setswana. Hence, they would say home language. Mm. So it would be very intense, very deep. People will say difficult. Because they would assume that every day you speak that language. So you need to go deeper into the language. Hence, it's assumed that home language is more difficult. But it's not that it's difficult. They're looking to teach you more than what you are already used to in your everyday life. Hmm. So if I was to ask you, what is your mother tongue, considering that your mother is not Motswana, your answer would be? (laughs) <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so my mother tongue is Botswana because the Motswana. Okay. No, that so could... it has nothing to do with the mother anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that was so enlightening because. Like you, I also have my, my mother Kemotswana, my father Umswati. So this mm. conversation has I I interpreted it like you did initially to start. Yeah, and now that life has revolved so much, uh, you know, people decide how they want to identify. You know, you find that dad was never present in in a child's mm-hmm. life, and they end up identifying with what they know, mm-hmm. and they end up taking literally their mother tongue. And there's also that element of location. So in my school, we've got children, most of the of the learners, um, dad is Nigerian and mom may be Kimotswana or mom is, you know, Zulu. And the children will mainly identify as Natswana. But you've got some that will identify themselves as Nigerians. So you find that at home they speak Igbo and then they come to my school to come and get the Siswana. So with regards to identity, it's it's very, um, how, how can I put it? It's relative and it's, it's a choice at the end of the day. It's no more restricted. It's no more, you know, it's a choice. And I guess it comes with the freedom that we've obtained as a country. Mm-hmm. So now that you're mentioning the, um, the students that you have at your school, can you give us a bit of their, uh, just the profiles, what kind of uh, families, what kind of students do you have uh, mostly at your school? All right. So in, so we had um, campuses before COVID. We had a campus in Midrand and we had a campus in, in Campton Park. But unfortunately, after the lockdown, everybody ran away, you know, I was, and then the school, you know, I had to close and now we are online. Okay. But when we were in mid-range, we had a lot of um, mixed culture children, especially because we were in mid-range. So most of the children were from Waterfall. Most of the children were from, yeah, so the, 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 the birds of Joburg, the Joburg North, you know. And funny enough, that's where you find a lot of diversity. So you had, we had children of mixed races as well where there's a white mom and there's a black dad. And now mom is also interested in learning Sizwana, you know. Mm-hmm. So every time mom would sit around in the classroom and learn a bit and go home with the child and practice. Um, so it was very, very diverse. Um, especially because in the Joburg schools, because Joburg is predominantly Zulu, 
I think that is the, the language that um, the schools decided to go with. Though there's a change lately that I'm seeing, um, the schools in Joburg are accommodating your Sosotro, your Sibedi, and your Sosuana. But back then, it was mainly Isizulu. So the children would be forced to choose either Afrikaans and Isizulu, mm. or, well, they do both, or they choose um, one. So the children, let's say the, cho- the parents want children to learn Sosotro, they were, they were, there is no Sosotro, so they would come to my school to obtain Sosotro. So that was the service we were offering where you feel like your child is exposed to other languages and you want them to be exposed to a particular language for whatever reason. So it's basically the appetite of the parents. Then they would choose the language that they want their children to learn for different reasons. The other offering that we give is, um, so now we're online, so I'll stick to online, Mm -hmm. is um, where you find a situation where um, parents do not understand the language that is offered in the school. So you are Tosa and Nigerian family, and in the school they're learning Sizwana, Northwest, for example, and then you don't know anything. Yes, Sizwana, and you're struggling with homework, you're struggling with preparing speeches, you're struggling with poetry, you're basically struggling to help your child where they need help. So that's where we come in and we give what we call a tutoring service. So we make sure that the child gets good grades at the end of the year. They've got a good foundation and they do well in the language and they're not, you know, frustrated. And this is the part where the parents just relax and they have handed you the child over. They've handed their child over to you completely. Another service that we offer is if you, well, since lockdown, there has been a lot of, um, home schools that have been open. Mm. So UCT online learners are are very, we've got a lot of them in our school, and most of them are actually from Botswana. So in Botswana, they speak Botswana, then they're taking their children to UCT online school. UCT online school, obviously the predominating language that they offer is is Xhosa, because it's in the Western case. So they either do Xhosa and African, um, whereas if you are from Botswana and you're in grade 10 and you've done Botswana all your life, there's no way you're now going to start Chosa at grade 10. So we have opened our services to these children who come and actually do grade 10 Botswana in our school. And then we send their marks to UCT online school. We, they write exams and everything. And then when they get to matric, they write the matric paper somewhere in PE where they where the way they obviously going to be um um what do you call it? Where they obviously going to so all the other exams they are in our hands, but the final exam the UCT online school is in charge of that. Okay. Um and then the last service that we offer is where children just want to learn their home languages online. We give them the foundation and then we make sure that they grow within the language, they become comfortable, they know the basic things. So this is just for the purpose of speaking. And then if they are older, they start writing as well because um, I've changed, well, I, I studied education. So it's easier to learn anything when you are able to write it. Then once you've written it, then it's easier to understand. And then, oh, also, there's, there's other schools as well who have, and it's these new ones, and I won't name them, and what they do is um, parents, and there's one particular one, and I've, I've got about maybe 12 learners from that particular school, and every week I get an inquiry from that school. So that school offers Siswana. And parents are just, and these are Siswana-speaking parents, mm-hmm. so like you and I, Christine, mm-hmm. um, and they would, the parents would be like, you know, my child does Sotswana and homework is extremely difficult. There's no way my child is going to grasp this. So what the school did from my, you know, because I, I started investigating and checking what is going on in that school. Why does it seem like they're teaching things that are more difficult, you know, things that are not at the child's level, you know? And very good school. And I realized that what they did is they took the English curriculum, they translated it into Sotswana. Mm. Now, in Sotswana, when you learn um, 
synonyms, adjectives, you know, the language, those things come a little bit later because you need to start with the basic things, you know. So the foundation of English and the foundation of Sizwana, for an example, it's not the same. You can't teach English the same way you teach Africans. Mm. You can't teach Africans the same way you teach Kosa. It's very, very different. So what they did, like I said, they took the English uh, curriculum and then they translated it. And the pace can never be the same. The level cannot be the same. You start with other things when you teach Sizwana. You start with other things that, I mean, in English, if you teach him, his, him, her, those are easy. Try them in another language. It's, co- it's a completely different ball game altogether. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Colors. A simple primary color in Zulu. So I've also written a Zulu workbook, being a Mozana. I was just testing how clever I am, and <laughs> I am not so bad. <laughs> and I've written a, an, an Isu Zulu workbook. Take the, a simple primary color, blue. Yeah, it's green. Blue is four letter, B-L-U-E in English. Do you know what blue is in Zulu? Shazi or am I wrong? Aha. <laughs> Wow. Exactly. Mm. So you want to tell me that grade two child or that grade one blue. child who's gonna write blue four words, four letters, mm. is going to be able to write Lushaza <laughs> Okwesi No, he can't. Let's mm. get to green. That's how we teach English. Let's get to Zulu. Lushaza okotani. And then you have to explain. And with African languages, when when they were written, they were not just given names. There's a meaning behind everything. So Lushaza Okosi Paga Paga, which is blue, it it speaks about the sky, the blueness Mm. of the sky. It's the sky. Green. It speaks about the greenness the of the grass. Oh, wow. So it's not just the color. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a lot that comes, you know, with it. it is. So you cannot take English and translate it into Zulu and expect the children to be okay. Mm. So they come to my school. We have to give them a foundation first and make sure that they understand. So they're getting double Sudwana. They're getting Sudwana from school where they are just drowning, and then they're getting the foundation from my school, hoping to minimize the drowning at school. Crazy. That is very crazy. Yes. But I understand that some languages are easier to learn than others. Um, from what I hear, Zulu is relatively easy to learn, or is that a mistake, considering that blue is a whole sentence? You know, I think every language is easy to learn if you've got the correct teacher. That's my experience. So I also tried learning Shona, and I found Shona to be easier than a, what's this other language? Um, Chivenda or Tonga, okay. Okay. you know? Um, and being Motswana, everybody's expecting me to be, because uh, Botswana are closer to Bapedi, you know, mm. and then Bapedi are because of Limpopo, they're closer to Mavendale Matonga. Mm. But I found a whole different language, Shona, all the way from Zimbabwe to be easier. So I think it's more about who is teaching you and how much you are exposed to it. You know, uh, the person who said practice makes perfect was a clever person. It's literally. <laughs> that the more you are exposed to something the more you live it the more you make it a lifestyle the better you know and that goes with language as well you know i always say that children between the ages of zero six they are going through what you call the absorbent mind so this is my montessori studies from back then the absorbent mind is literally a child absorbs everything their mind is at its peak and they are just absorbing everything because you will never learn as much in your life. You can have a PhD, a doctorate, you can be a scientist, you can be Elon Musk. You will never learn any much more than you learn between the ages of zero to six. 
True. You know, and potty training being the most difficult one. <laughs> um, so yeah, potty training and walking being mm. the most difficult one. So that is the stage, the right time for children to start learning languages because their mind is ready to pick up everything quickly. And at that point in time, you need to, and children are very clever. The mind is very, very powerful. And if you train it at a young, young age, it will, it will grow well and it will be able to shorten. So I always tell parents that the best way to teach language is between the age of zero to six. Make sure that a child identifies with a particular person. And when, that, when the child sees that person, that person speaks that particular language. So in a household, you can have, a, let's say, a Swana mom, a Nigerian dad, and a Zulu helper. Mm. The child is able to speak all those three languages only if those three parents are consistent. If auntie speaks strictly Zulu, mom speaks strictly Sizwana, dad speaks strictly Igbo. Always, when the child looks at the person, the child will, will be able to identify the clicks, the phonemes, you know, the mm. phonics, the phonetics that this person is speaking. So even in the womb, a child can hear the clicks from the dad if they are different from the mom. That is how children are so, the, child, the mind is so powerful and how children can absorb. So already in the womb, they can identify the different phonics and the different sounds. So they know that when dad sings to me or when dad plays, you know, plays with me in mommy's tummy. This is what he sounds like, and this is the language that he speaks. So my advice to parents, um, try that. They should, the child should um, relay, you know, relate to a certain particular individual and be consistent, and the child will be able to learn all those languages perfectly. And then do you have advice for your learners around accents? I found what discouraged me from speaking vernacular languages for the large part was because other children would call out the fact that I'm not saying this the right way or that the other. Is there like a life tip? <laughs> you know, the accent thing, and I think if you speak to people who studied linguistics, they, 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 they also agree with me that um, accent is learned. There's no language that comes with an accent. Accent is learned. Mm. So somebody taught the someone had a particular accent and all the British people adapted it because that's what they know. And then if I come to you and I say my name is Gumulimo, that's what you're going to call me. Yeah. Gumulimo. Mm. You know? And I and then I and then someone from Masikeng says, My name is Humulimo. You're going to pronounce it as Humulimo. So it just depends how you were taught. It's learned. It's not, you don't adopt it with the language, no. It's learned. And if you practice a, a particular accent, you will be an expert in it. If I want a British accent and I'm exposed to it and I practice it, I'm going to adopt it. You find people who stay in, in, in Britain for about six years and they come back and I'm just like, girl, why don't you have the accent? <laughs> Or the American mm. accent, and they'd be like, "No, no, no, no! It's a choice. Yeah, it comes with practice. It's learned. It, it's a decision. It's intentional. You know. So if I'm going to have a particular accent, chances are my children are going to ha- learn the same accent, and then they're going to get to school, and then they're going to find a teacher who has a different accent, and then they will decide that oh, mom's accent not cool. <laughs> Teachers are always cooler than us anyway." So they're going to say, teachers know best. Teachers are the best things ever. Teacher is always right. Teacher knows better than mommy. They're going to adopt teacher's accent. And then they go with my English accent. And then they take the the British (laughs) from teacher. So it's learned. Yeah. 
So um, yeah. I've got a question about you. You gave uh, awesome tips about uh, teaching languages to kids with the um, example of mom can speak this language, dad, uh, the auntie, etc. But for the people who have missed that trend between zero and six, um, there's a lot of kids right now, the suburban kids, whatever, they can't really speak. Um, any tips maybe to catch up and uh, teach languages maybe at a later stage? So it comes with um, the knowledge of the language. Mm. So children, model see children, what they know is that it's cool to speak English. You are educated if you speak English well. You, you know, you find people saying, oh, you speak so well. Yeah. And I'm saying rubbish, but I've got the accent and the confidence. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what is being, that's what uh, our children are exposed to. So it's our responsibility to teach African pride. It starts there. Yeah. You cannot have, a, a, you know, with language, you have to want to learn it, you know, especially if you're older. Mm. Um, why are our children wanting to learn French? Because it's sexy and it's nice and it sounds nice, mommy. You know, <laughs> it's romantic, Italian, it's nice. I love it, you know. Um, so, want to learn it. You have to give them a reason why they have to learn it. Children of today, they just don't learn things for fun. They learn things because it's going to benefit them. Or they want reasons, why must I learn this? So, we need to create that consciousness. We need to create that pride, you know, that it's so cool to know your mother tongue. It's so cool to speak Shona. It's so cool to stand in a room and you find Shona speaking people and you automatically join them, you know? True. Instead of standing outside and being the coconut. Because mm-hmm. the coconut is the cool person, according to how we were channeled. You know, mm. we always like the coconut. Oh, she can't speak like us. You know, she's special. She's different. No, we need to change that perception that uh-uh, the coconut is disadvantaged, that they cannot speak both languages, you know. So we need to bring about that awareness and change the mind, change the thinking of the children to say, this is good. Mm. This is good stuff. Try it. Try learn your language. And, and then they will be interested. But for as long as we don't do that, the interest is not going to be there. Mm. Ask children who are, in, in, who are doing Zulu at school, why do you do Zulu? Do you know what they're going to tell you? Because it's, it's an option. Yeah. I don't have a choice. I have to do it. But no, you're doing it because you need to learn and, uh, you know, you need to learn a different culture. You need to learn an African language. You become more exposed. You become more relevant, you know. Even in a job situation, you know, it's always better to have someone who can speak more than two languages. And African languages are very important. If you want to do social development, you need to be able to understand the people. I mean, we are all working with people here, you know. So we need to find those reasons, put them together, and explain to the child this is it, you know. I grew up in Masikeng, and I, I've been telling you guys about that Mutwana pride, mm. you know. And hence, I wanted to sustain that, to grow up with that, to continue with that, you know. Because why? I learned that it is the right thing. It is the cool thing. I mean, I, I also appreciate the rappers, you know. You've got your Morasi who are rapping in... Um, in Sudwana, your Kespa is also rapping in Sudwana. Mm. You've got Aifani who's rapping in Kosa. You've got Malum Victor, Malum Victor who's rapping in Sesotho. You've got um, now people are, are, are liking, you know, your technos. They're rapping in, in Nigerian Igbo. Yeah, you find Burnt or a, you know. So the, the, these rappers, I really, really appreciate them, and I listen to them because. They, 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 they're making languages cool, you know, they're influencing our children and they're exposing them to different languages, you know. Before that, we would all sing with me, Houston, Tony Braxton and break my heart <laughs> and learn English like that. 
But now we can try things, African songs, which are made to look cool because all these people are cool artists. And, you know, they're bringing in that cultural thing. So it's literally just a, a mind thing where you change True. perception, where you change attitudes and make sure that the children will buy into it. Mm. Talking about changing perception, so I'm not a fan of this term black, right? I feel like us as African people, it's a Western concept that they've given us and it's a nickname we've embraced and try to glorify and own. But say, say it again, which term? Black. Black, uh, black okay. people yeah. Um, yeah. and black, yes. you know. So if you were to suggest a synonym that we could go about and try make commonplace in place of black in the Southern African context, um, could you throw any words out there? So for me, it was, it, it, it's what we've already been given to, to we, we call Africans. And I think that was the best definition because it, 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 it's being African. So I can't be, I'm not that creative right now to think of a word, <laughs> mm. but I think African is, is the best description as opposed to black. But we are so used to referring to ourselves as black people. And then there was a new one where people started saying we are brown. Yeah. It, it's not easy to, to digest, you know, it's <laughs> not easy to, I, I don't know, I, I don't, even when my children say, oh, no, we're brown, I'm just like, it's, it's kind of a, they're running away from being black and they're trying to make it sound better, but I, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go down well. I think it's an well acknowledgement of the problem. So maybe black. let's stick to African. African, yeah. But uh, as, um, from your, as a language specialist, uh, do you know if um, our, in our indigenous languages, do we refer ourselves as, as black or do you think it's a foreign uh, concept to be called black? It is definitely a foreign concept okay. because that's when the, 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 the segregation came in. That's when apartheid, that's what apartheid was about. Mm. It was about we are different. That's where it started. We are different. We are not the same. We are white. You are black. Black is dark. Black is bad. Black is dark. Mm. In not complex and dark, but mm. dark, you know, mm. it's disadvantaged. It, there's, not, there's no light there, you know. So, no, we did not adopt that. We were given okay. that identity. Yeah, we were abandoned. We are, you know, but like there's just so <laughs> many words for people in um, the glossary of potential. Uh, but I think, wow, I mean, if, if honestly, like there's so many, so many questions to ask, including adults and whether or not we can't learn new languages because we've exceeded a certain age. Um, wait, hold on. Is there hope for me? Is there time for me to learn a new language before <laughs> we say goodbye? Bona, there is hope for <laughs> everybody, you know, and the funniest is that, oh, we also, you know, have adults in our school. Oh, great. Mr. Watson, he says, in, they say overseas, you know, as black people, we always say America. <laughs> he says overseas. <laughs> I'm not sure where, but I know he says overseas. So he does the Zwana, um with his children. His children are between the ages of the girl is 16 and the boy is uh, 14. Yeah. And then he's an adult and they're doing Sutwana. But anyway, back to my to your question. There is hope for you, you know. And I know people that you know love. Love makes people do crazy things. So most of our adults, they are learning a language because of love. Ooh. So you get this lady who's getting married into a Sutwana family. You know, she wants to hear them. So now she's learning Tswana. You find this guy who's so into a Kosa girl mm-hmm. and wants to learn Kosa. So love can make you do things. So anything is possible. It's not late. Um, you can learn a language, but you need to practice. And I always say to my parents, you cannot leave it up to us. You know, we can teach them for an hour and yeah. then they go back. So what you need to do after that hour, is anything that they have learned, you cancel English mm-hmm. and you continue with it. So if today's lesson is about family, and I've taught you that it's babum kul, mam kul, malume, you don't call them auntie, yeah. and ban, and ban, and eh, eh. Yeah. you call them 
properly, you know. And that's how I'm also teaching my children that this is Nanani. This is, and that's the thing about our language. Our language is so beautiful. It it was well thought of, mm. you know. Ubabumani, you know, your dad's younger brother. Ubabumku. It makes so much sense. It's so nice and easy to learn. You know, it doesn't box everybody in one box. You know, we're not all uncles and aunts. No, you are that older uncle, hierarchy level. Mm. You know, when you are the lower one, when you are umalume from mom's side, you are the one that's going to be there when I get married and negotiate. Kuri, we are, we are the, we, we are, and it's not just in Sotswana, it's the same in Zulu, Kota mm. and other, in, in other African languages, yeah. you know. We are depriving our children of such beauty, of such lovely things of such knowledge you know by adopting the western culture by adopting the western language you know just by naming the family members there's a lot to learn it evokes interest as well that oh so umalume is so and so child. it even gives opportunities to talk about the family tree to talk about That's the true. family history just by naming i mean after the lesson you get parents calling so Murtarana, you will talk in, 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 in now they are asking what is great, 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 but I'm just like, guys, can I get a break? You know, but obviously I need to be ready with those answers so I can say, I'll get back to you. Mm. Now the children are asking their parents, so great, 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 great grandmother, what do you call that? You know, so it opens just a simple lesson about the family. It opens doors to lovely conversations at home, lovely lessons. And I'm hoping that the parents have those answers, you know. And sometimes you'll find that they actually do not know, you know. And it's not about knowing the language, but it's just knowing the family tree and being able to to explain it, you know, because they've never been given that opportunity. So back to my point, once we're done learning greetings, for example, you better stop greeting in English. You better start greeting each other in the manner that we have taught you. That's the only way you're going to learn. If we learn transport today, when you see a bus, you don't call it a bus. You better just mix English and that language and make it make sense. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you're going to learn. <laughs> oh, that's a, such a lovely tip. I love that. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. That was really rich. And I'm feeling so excited for families who are embarking on this journey of language and all the potential and the possibilities that lie ahead for them. And I'm so grateful that they have a support system in you um, at SP Academy. And again, Humulima, thank you so much for your time. Um, do you want to share your handles or how people can contact you? Yeah. Yes, I'd love to. And thank you so much, Christine and Patricia, for the opportunity. No, I love you. interviews like this. I get so passionate. You know, I, I love talking about languages. It's a passion for me, you know, and just just to remind us, it, it actually reminds me of who I am. Mm. You know, it actually reminds me of why I started this, you know. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. No, thank you. And thank where you can we find you on the socials, your website? Yeah, so um, our website is www.splanguageacademy. And people struggle to spell language, so they'll say your email is bouncing. And I'm just like, do you know how to spell language? <laughs> <laughs> so it's www.splanguageacademy.com. Com, international com, okay. and then um, our contact number is zero seven two five four two nine eight seven nine zero seven two five four two nine eight seven nine eight seven nine. We're also on Instagram as SP Language Academy. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I think I'm, I'm happy to hear that you give um, also adult lessons. I'm going to check out from some Zulu lessons. <laughs> yes, please do come through. Um, adults have so, so much fun. They actually, <laughs> and like I was telling you guys, I've got a workbook that I've written and it's been translated into different languages. And I normally don't sell it to the parents. And and but when they enroll after a week, they be like, "Oh, but where is my book?" I'm like, "What book?" <laughs> they think the workbook. I'm like, "Guys, that has coloring activities and it's got crossword puzzles." And they're like, 
we want the food. <laughs> Uh, so you know please do it's never too late yeah exciting the book is also so the book is called um learn the language is workbook so it's a workbook that you can work it's bilingual that's the nice thing about it it's very colorful not your normal you know and i'm not i'm I'm not throwing shade here but it's not your normal uh books that are dull and they have they usually brown. I don't know who told our people <laughs> to have our books to be so brown mm. and so, you know, not colorful and have people that are not colored in nicely. So this one is, it was well thought of. It, okay. Well, we had the child in mind. So the font is the correct font that the child can relate to at that level. Um, you know, you find books, children's books, but the, the, the A is looking it's you know it's got funny things and it's not looking like a proper A mm. you know um so and the colors it's very colorful it's bilingual it's easy to understand it's also very diverse in the pictures so you don't find you know just people of color but you find different cultures so there's a lot of representation that is considered in, in into that book and it is made for the model for child. Is it available online if someone wants to um, get hold of that book? Yeah, so we've got it at Bookbound firstly. Um, so uh, uh, I've got schools that are that are using it. St. Stephen's is using the book. Pinnacle is using the book. Okay. Um, Copperleaf is using the book. So I've got a few schools that are using the book. Um so we we've got it at Bookbound. So it goes so some schools they put it in the in the book list for the year and then they get it at Bookbound. We also sell um on Take a Lot. Oh great. The last time I checked, I'll have to double check with my marketing team. Oh, the big one, Ethnic Kids. We've got it oh, at, oh, yes. on Ethnic Kids. Yeah. So it's right. Ethnic Kids and then you can also get it from me okay, using no. that number. I think my niece's Christmas gifts are partly yeah. sorted. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good gift. Yes, definitely. Yes. Oh, it's been a, such a pleasure to reconnect with you and chat with you. Thank you so much. Uh, Patricia, thank you so much. Thanks for remembering me, for reaching out, giving me the opportunity. No, it's my I pleasure. I love talking about this. Yes. And it's only a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> But that said, you all know now where you can find SP Academy online, but do also follow us on our socials, Zazi Podcast on all the social media platforms. And we also have a playlist that is an accompaniment to the podcast offering, and that is just Zazi on Spotify. And we have dropped a Hello Spring edition of that playlist for you to tune into for the rest of the month of spring. And yes, Patricia, the handles for. Yes. So on Instagram, it's Zazi underscore the podcast in one word and it's the same on Facebook so Zazi underscore the podcast in one word on Instagram and on Facebook so do follow us get in touch with us our email is Zazi the podcast at gmail.com so please get in touch and thank you so much to all the people who've been giving us positive feedback we really appreciate it yes thank you we've receiving a lot of uh, encouragement and people are loving it so far so thank you and continue please to tune in and listen to the previous episodes until then bye 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 Ah!